Support the podcast by buying a copy of this book, Fortress of Shadow, by me, Eric Kent Edstrom. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and Apple. Also available in paperback. Chapter 12. The Revulsion Can't this beast move any faster? Kyla said. The donkey looked strong, but it plodded slower than she could walk. Maybe I should fly Quinn up. Can you do so reliably? El asked softly. The monarch knew of Kyla's near disasters in that regard. During battle, flying had been effortless, the bolts coming to her as easily as the desire. Kyla thought she could do it now. Desperate as she was to get Quinn off the donkey and into a bed, but if she failed, hard to explain to herself or anyone else that she had dropped her dearest friend to her death. Her mood was not improved by the worsening weather. The higher they ascended toward the hackwatch, the denser became the mist. Tiny particles needled her face now. Her cloak cut the chill somewhat, but it had grown heavy with the damp. A wall loomed ahead. Are we there? Jill said. No, this is the outer battlement. I told you the hackwatch was once a fortress. The donkey's hooves echoed as they passed into an arched tunnel. The wall was so thick, Kyla wondered if it could possibly be solid stone all the way through. Overhead, light shone down from murder holes, through which armsmen of old loosed arrows or flaming pitch. Midway through, when the light of the openings was dimmest, two huge braziers smoked and spattered, casting angry light to cut the murk. The brief warmth was welcome, but not long-lasting. Shivering, Kyla again eyed the ceiling, ribbed with supporting stone arches. It was the work of men, reminding her of the Cathedral of Till. It lacked the elegance and effortlessness of the first-race builders. The weight of the wall made everyone's shoulders hunch over, except for El, whose face was serious but placid. Shad lines pulled their cloaks more tightly about themselves, and a few tapped their ears three times. Kyla hardly resisted the superstitious ritual herself, and she never gave such things any mind, most times. A cold wind met their faces near the exit, and then they were out into a whitewash of day. The trees were cleared away here, leaving a rough stretch of rock-strewn grass left and right. Beyond it, and still further upslope, hunched the hack-watch. If not for Quinn's need, Kyla was sure she would have turned back, for the fortress stood against the sky, black as shadow, walls and towers thick and low, tops crenellated and overhung with rotting wooden hoardings. Though surely not by design, this vantage gave the hack-watch a face, for it had only two windows visible, left and right, each on a squat tower. A vast gate, standing open, yawned at them like a mouth. You say scholars live here? she said. I can't imagine anyone wanting to. It's lost for words, she looked to El. Can't you feel it? I feel it. I dare say all shadlines do a little bit. Discomfort. Unease. 
you'll feel as if your collar is too tight, the air unsustaining of breath, the damp colder and the shadows deeper than natural. This is the hack watch. It will be worse for you inside, I'm afraid. Why hold the armory here? Behind her, Jill laughed, a cold, harsh, biting laugh of contempt. If you knew what it was to be a Shadline, you would not ask such stupid questions. We listen and obey. Jill, enough, El said. It was the first rebuke Kyla had ever heard the woman give to the sullen Shadline. Kyla must be free to decide whether to speak the oath or not. Her ignorance is not her fault. Forgive me, El. My apologies to you, too, highest of kill. There was no attempt to hide the sarcastic twist in her voice. Kyla didn't think much of El defending her, not if she was going to say Kyla was ignorant. El pointed to the left tower. That was the first structure to be built here by men, an outpost overlooking the town that eventually grew into Tierling. But the Elysians were here first. You'll find yourself going into the Star Dome without meaning to. The atmosphere is lighter there. She sighed. That tower is where executions once took place, at the very top. The very name of the fortress derives from that favored pastime of the Elder Kings. King Manuster bade his enemies be decapitated by means of a small hatchet. At the time, a wooden platform jutted out at the top. The condemned were bound there, head on a sloped block. The executioner hacked at the neck, fifteen or thirty blows, until the head came free and fell to the ground below. If it landed in the basket, the executioner received a gift from the king. Ah, hack, watch. This Manusteer fellow reminds me of a Dox Viller back in Cheapskate. A very similar taste for cruel violence, El said. Her mouth clenched in and her eyes gleamed, but she swallowed the emotion. That doesn't answer why the Shadline would hold the armory here. The ill ease you feel. It makes you want to leave, to avoid this place. To a Shadline, that is a clear sign that one must approach and enter. The way is discomfort, Kyla. Of all people, surely you know the truth of that. But El did not sound utterly convinced. The upward trudge continued, straight toward the leering face of the hackwatch and the gaping maw of its gate. Kyla now discovered the donkey's steps a bit too sprightly for her taste, her own feet dragging. A hard rain beat into their heads as they finally reached the gate. Two scholars in brown robes stood just inside, faces pale as maggots. The men had no hair on their spotty scalps, and only slightly more teeth when their thin lips spread in smiles. They made welcoming motions with their hands, but Kyla's skin went goose flesh. She'd known men in Cheapskate who lured girls and boys into dark corners using the same smiles and motions. One man fixed a stare on Kyla and would not release it. The look of a hungry man, and not for food. Are there women here? she asked, ashamed to hear her voice break. Among the Shadline, El said. Do not worry about these men. They know Shadline are dangerous. 
They also have no strong urges in the kind you fear. They drink a brew each morning to quench such fires so that they might focus entirely on their studies. They pass through the gate and into the courtyard, and Kyla still felt the man's eyes on her. Did he know who she was? He did. She was suddenly certain of it. Those loomy touched followers of hers by the river had known her, too. That damnable handbill. She felt her gorge rise. Something was very wrong here. Kyla! came a voice, resounding from the black stone walls surrounding her. The courtyard was cramped and muddy. A man skittered down a set of stairs, calling to her. Quinn is in trouble, he called. We have to find her. It was Fallow. The same hideous face, the flop of black hair atop his head, the single bushy eyebrow over his eyes. She's right here. Kyla handed the donkey's lead to a boy in the same robes as the scholars. Here, Fallow, help me get her down. The young man brushed past her and scooped Quinn off the animal. His journeys with the cloak had thickened him, made him stronger than the alley boy Kyla had first met. Quinn looked small in his arms, fragile as a fevered child. What happened to her? he demanded. She was given a fern-eater potion, some sort of will shift. Kyla put a hand on his shoulder, tried to soothe him. Carry her inside. I will tell you all I know, but we must get her help. Zirheen, he cried as he dashed away. Nax, stay close. I don't like this place. It feels wrong. It is thick. I smell rats. Kyla trailed after Fallow ignoring El's calls not to disrupt the quietude of the fortress. But climbing the steps took enormous effort. Her legs resisted, weighed down by some unseeable weight. A deep pressure seized her chest, like a fist gripping her heart. Gasping and straining, she bent double, unable to go farther, unable to take the last step that would carry her through the threshold of the door. Fallow's hollow cries carried to her, Zirheen! Zirheen! He had taken Quinn. Kyla had to follow, had to make sure Quinn lived. Muscles failing, she did what she always did. She reached for the Mercus. It wasn't there. Absence. The weight upon her was caused by the total absence of the Mercus. She had not recognized it until now. Panicking, she strained for it, as one clawing toward the surface of a lake, desperate for breath. It was not there. Instead, an oily foulness sloshed in her awareness. You feel it now, El said, bending next to Kyla and rubbing her back. The sludge that separates us from the Mercusine here, it is called the Revulsion. It congeals in certain places. The hackwatch is one of the worst I've felt. Retching and coughing, Kyla tried to crawl the last step. Nothing would keep her from Quinn's bedside. Nothing. Easy, Kyla. Allow yourself to adjust. Why aren't you down here with me? I've been here before. It is easier the second time, I assure you. But I am also a Dragnathan. 
I cannot be totally separated from the Mercusine, for I am of the Mercusine. The Mercus will be there for you when you leave this place. You see why Shad Alt so readily relented about the Vazan? Kyla fought down gags, then failed. Lips wet with spittle, she gasped in air. Discomfort is the way, you said? Aye, for you more than most. Nax butted her head into Kyla's shin. Stand up. Naxie, this place is vile. The Mercus is buried. Stand up. It's just a place. Doesn't it bother you? The revulsion? Nax sent a flurry of sensations, of creeping silently, stalking prey, of exhilaration of exploring dark, scary places, and oddly, a sort of respect for the revulsion. Not love for it, nor even attraction to it, but of an acknowledgement that it is there. It is always there, thicker here than elsewhere. Haven't you felt it before? No? Kyla felt for Nax's soft head, drew strength from the little gray's indomitable spirit. You feel it always? Always. Stand up. Slowly, Kyla obeyed. The weight of absence still pushed her down, but Nax fortified her spirit. Heaving out a great moan, she lunged through the door. L caught her and held her upright as she recovered her breath. The weight did not entirely release, but was much less now. A quick search for the Mercus revealed nothing but the horrid sludge of the revulsion. Are you sure the Mercus is beyond that? she asked L. I am. Nax says the revulsion is always there, but just more so here. L bowed her head to Nax, eyes gleaming. Honored Felnathel, thou art wise and courageous and holy. I am not as sensitive to it as Nax, and for that I am grateful. Nax took this as her due and slunk ahead. Fella went this way. The nausea had passed, and Kyla felt more herself now. She followed after her cat, only dimly aware of the shad lines who followed. It's dangerous here, Nax sent. Be wary. You just said it's just a place. Now you tell me to be wary? Just so. It's nice when you listen. A chirp of outrage escaped Kyla as she stormed deeper into the fortress, and after three turns became completely lost. The ways were narrow, dank, and swarming with shadow. There were no windows, and the oil lamps were wicked low to conserve fuel. The effect was suffocating. Only Nax's clear presence in her mind guided her true. Turning a corner, she nearly smashed into Fallow's back. He stood, holding Quinn before a shadline woman in a drab shirt. Her face was sun-wrinkled and handsome, with eyes as piercing as a hawk's. The cloak stood behind her, Tasuin in hand. A lick of flame coursed down his blade, casting lurid shadows of all present against the damp walls. She's had fern-eater poison, Fallow said. You have to undo it. You must. Zerheen palmed Quinn's cheeks, pressed her nose close to the girl's lips, and held there for a moment. Tago seed and whiskey, and something else. It's trash, El said. 
Fallow gaped to discover her enlightened majesty standing next to him. Bring her, Zirheen said, and then led the way into the keep. Fallow's breath seemed to scrape in the air of the narrow corridor as he twisted to keep Quinn's head and feet from brushing the strange, sweating stone. A bitter taste hung in the cramped space of lantern smoke and unwashed skin. A scholar motioned them to an empty room, but he kept pressing a finger to his lips, urging them to stay quiet. Fallow set Quinn onto a cot, but refused to leave the girl's side when Zirheen urged him to make room. I will stay here until she wakes, he said. I must. I hear it. I hear it, and I will obey. Zirheen nodded. Someone fetch my pack from my room. Touch nothing in it. Footsteps trampled away as one of the shadline ran for her pack. Zirheen knelt next to Quinn and again placed her nose close to the girl's lips. She felt along Quinn's arms, pressed fingers under her wrists. The other man on the donkey, Tresh also? Without a doubt, El said. It is Crit Sanglo. Ah, Crit is strong. This is very subtle. The work of an absolute master. What is Tresh? Fallow demanded. Poison? It can be, but the purpose is to control a person's will. Once consumed, the mind becomes susceptible to deeply placed commands. Such commands can lay dormant for days, even years. But I have never seen Tresh make someone fall into a deep sleep like this. The runner returned with Zirheen's pack, and she tore into it. I can bring her to wakefulness, but I cannot discover what commands she may have been given. Waking her will not remove the deeply laid command. Whatever it is, she must act upon it to be relieved of it. Bring hot water and a cup. The runner darted away again. Zirheen laid a white cloth on the floor. Then she opened pouch after pouch, vial after vial, pulling out bits of weed, twigs, stone, powders, and even legs and wings of insects. These she arrayed on the white cloth, then placed a finger near each one as if counting. When she was satisfied, she pinched the four corners of the cloth and drew it up into a small pouch. She shook it to mix the ingredients together. Kyla knelt next to Fallow, then circled an arm about him. He didn't seem to notice. The runner returned with a steaming cup. Zerheen dunked the pouch into it. It must steep a moment. I pray we are in time. Fallow's murmuring stopped. He looked at Kyla, then the others. Our gathering in this room is a fate hand. Zirheen, El, and Jill bowed slightly to him, acknowledging his statement with remarkable solemnity. Cloak Einlin, who had ghosted into the room without her noticing, merely nodded grimly. Kyla hadn't the slightest idea what a fate hand was. Close the door, Fellow said. Jill obeyed immediately, roughly urging two leering scholars from the opening in order to secure the door. What else are you hearing? Zirheen asked Fallow. He closed his eyes, and in doing so revealed enormous pain, and then resignation. This gathering, in this room, is a fate hand. I've said all I know. <laughs>